As a Bible nerd, we had a little bit of confusion the first week on 1 John. You can see this is 1 John, okay? Here's the difference between John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John, the book of John, is actually more accurately called the Gospel of John. So like Jesus' life according to John, the Gospel according to John. This is the first letter that John wrote. So now you know. Um, I had to clear that up because we were all very confused and I wasn't about to shout out from the audience. Okay, so that in mind, if you have your Bible or your phone with the Bible app, both are equally valid. Um, go to 1 John, and we're actually going to start at the end of chapter 2. So I'm going to start in 1 John 2, verse 28, and I'm going to read to verse 29, just to kind of you know recap, because this is a whole letter. There were no chapters when John wrote this letter, um, and so we're going to make sure we have a little bit of context before we get started. So in my Bible, I'm using an ESV. It calls this section like children of God. So that kind of gives you an overall idea. And it says, and now little children, which he kind of uses to speak to believers. So that's who this is for. It's for Christians. Abide in him. So abide meaning like a constant state of living and being. So we live in him so that when he, when Jesus appears, when he comes back, we can have confidence and not shrink away in shame from his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you can be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now, it's a kind of an overarching idea, especially if you read the Old Testament, that we as people are not capable of being righteous, which is being right and good in God's sight. We, we can't do it. Before you even know what sin is, you've probably sinned a hundred times. We have all lied, we have all cheated, we have all X, Y, Z, like you can name it. Um, and so none of, no one can be righteous on their own. So we know that we're following Jesus based on what we're practicing. If we practice righteousness, we know that we have been born again of Jesus. And so our goal, obviously, as Jesus' followers is to be more like him, to practice what he practices, do what is good, and so John in chapter 3, if you go on over, it talks about how to do this, how to be like Jesus. And the first thing he says about it is in chapter 3, verse 4, uh, everyone who makes a practice of sin practices lawlessness. So he's saying, stop practicing sin. Now, uh, some of my girls from my tribe will know that when I went to college, I only went to college for a couple years, I really studied psychology and I really wanted to be a therapist or a counselor of some sort. I would still love to do that someday. And so that in mind, I found a really good psychology video for you guys about how to stop sinning. So we're going to pull that up. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, still being uh, buried alive in a box. Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> 
All right. <laughs> and go. <laughs> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. It is. Then stop it. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, 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 we, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been, it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I, I only have a five, so. Well, I, I, don't, I don't make change. <laughs> And I, I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> Whew, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! Not of some kind. Don't don't do that. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me. No, 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 no. No, we we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, just stop it. What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! You, you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. Don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh -huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! 
And how, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook. Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's, what's the problem, Catherine? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And, and, you, and you, don't, you don't like that? No, I don't. So you think we're, we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me, uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I, I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you, want, you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. All right, here are the ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! That's, that was uh, SNL in its glory days. Um, now, that, so one of the things that Pastor Sean, I, I have to call him Pastor Sean because there's two Seans, uh, he always says is if it's in scripture, it's possible. So if John is saying in this letter that it is possible to stop practicing sin, that means you can do it. And so I would almost consider that clip as like live footage of me and the Holy Spirit as I was like getting saved. There was a lot of things. Now I'll, I'll, I'll be straight up. Some things you can just stop. Some things take more work, but there's a lot that, I mean, if you really think about it, you know, you could just, you need to stop it. Um, so if, if we look at the scripture of 1 John chapter 3, and I'll start at verse four. It just says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning is also practicing lawlessness. So you are going against God's law when you sin, especially if you practice sinning, being prideful enough. So like being, that's kind of like, think of it like an outlaw, like outlaws in old Western movies. They think, they think they're like better than the law and they can get away with it and they're cool, which I, I liked Western movies growing up, but the outlaws are cool, but in the, in the good movies, they always eventually get caught. Um, and it says, you know, Jesus appeared in order to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. He puts it strong. He's saying if you are continually practicing sin, it's possible that you're not walking as closely with Jesus as you think you are. Jesus came to take away sin. There's no sin in him. So if you're living in sin, then you're not living in Christ. You don't keep practicing sin if you're living in Christ. It's the same as the vision that Kelsey had during worship, which I love when God gives dreams and visions and words and tongues. That's like how the Holy Spirit works in us. It's a great thing. Um, that vision of the jail cell is more than accurate. If, if anything, um, yeah, you're in an open jail cell, but even more so, you're in an open field imagining you're in a jail cell, if anything. You're in, you think you're locked in, but Jesus already took away sin. You have the power to stop practicing sin. Um, I'm going to go off topic a little bit, but it's going to circle back around. Um, our, Sean and my family went on like a big family vacation a while ago, and we were out on this walk, and... I don't even remember who brought it up, but someone brought up like the 
question of like, would you rather lose your taste or your hearing? And if anyone knows the Phillips side, we get very in depth to the exact minute details and implications of your decision. And so if you, if you lose your taste, well then you can eat whatever you want. So you would only eat healthy foods all the time and it wouldn't even matter. So you could be like super healthy and it wouldn't matter if you didn't even like that food. But if you lose your hearing, well, then you would still get to taste foods, but like you'll get left out of conversation. So we went really in deep with this. Um, and so I want to kind of do something similar to that. But we're going to play like which is worse. And so we'll probably just do this by a show of hands. I'm going to try and get through this quick. So which one would be worse? Someone comes to your event, we'll say like wedding or something like that. Someone comes to your event underdressed or they come to your event overdressed, but then shame you for not dressing as nice as they did. Who would vote for someone coming to your event underdressed? You, you would, that's worse. What is that one's worse? Coming underdressed is worse. Okay, coming overdressed and shaming you is worse. I, I'm on this side, okay? If someone else comes overdressed to the party, that's their problem. I know I'm right. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they say. I know I'm right. I know I'm dressed appropriately for it, especially considering it's my party. Um, the next one, which is worse, the best song of your least favorite genre or the worst song in your favorite genre? Who's on best song, worst genre? Okay, this is worse, this one's worse, the best song in your worst genre, or is it worse to listen to the worst song in your favorite genre? I'm on this side, I listen to some sketchy, well, I guess not sketchy genres, but like, like some like, some like indie bands are just weirdo. Like they just try everything and they'll just throw in like some random instrument and it's, yeah. Um, okay, so now, now is where we circle back around. God uses a lot of legal language in the Bible. So we're gonna think in legal terms. We're gonna like play NCIS for a second. Um, which is worse, manslaughter, which is killing someone kind of without meaning to, or murder, which is intentionally taking action to kill someone. Which one is gonna be punished more? Murder. murder, quite obviously. So, what's the difference? At the end of the day, somebody got killed. The difference is intention. It's, did you set out to do that? Now obviously, again, at the end of the day, somebody died, and that's not good. Um, but this is similar to the difference between sinning and practicing sin. Um, so let's take an example, maybe of like watching a show you know you shouldn't. Like here, like I have an example, like Sean, I talk about this all the time. Sean and I watched this weirdo movie right at one time with like Steve Carell and all these like weird dolls that he would play with. I don't recommend it because I'm gonna tell you about it a little bit, like why I don't recommend it is because the whole time I was watching this movie, I like fell off. Like I could feel that Holy Spirit conviction and I knew like I probably shouldn't be watching this movie. And the Bible says if you do something you know you shouldn't and you do it anyways, that is sin. Um, so that, that would be like sinning or what I would call like struggling with sin. Like I, I was fighting through that movie, like do I keep watching this, do I not? And I kind of knew the whole time like I shouldn't be doing this and I never watched that movie again and I never will. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum like, is an example of if there was a TV show that I watched an episode and I felt that conviction, I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't watch this. I wouldn't really want anyone to know I was watching this, but I continued to do it again and again and again. Do we see the difference here, kind of? So 
it's subtle, like the difference is pretty subtle, but it's there. It's like struggling with sin versus practicing sin. So this applies to entertaining judgmental thoughts. So maybe you're, you're being a little judgy one day, but like, you know it's wrong and, and you're trying to stop doing it versus meditating on judgmental thoughts, encouraging that, maybe even voicing them and continuing to do that. Um, this applies to, again, kind of with the thought realm of like entertaining maybe a lustful thought, like you've had it, you thought about it probably a little too long, you're like, oh, shouldn't do that versus actively being in sexual situations and getting into environments that you know are gonna get you tempted. You see the difference there? And one last one I wanted to talk about is, one that I have struggled with a lot, is lashing out in your emotions. We all do it sometimes. You get a big emotion, it comes out. You probably shouldn't have done that, but you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that, versus acting out in your emotions all the time and letting it dictate your behavior and your speech and you're kind of like, you know you're doing it. Um, so now the umbrella over all of this is sin is sin, period. Um, all sin is breaking God's law. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's all the same. But it's one thing to struggle with sin and know that it's wrong and try to change. It's a whole other thing and this is what John's talking about. It's a whole other thing to know it's wrong and to continue doing it, maybe accept it, maybe you label yourself with it. Oh, I'm just, I'm just really angry, I'm just really depressed, I, I'm, just a, I'm, just, I'm just like that, I, I, I can't really change. And you just continue to do it and you practice. That's a whole other thing. And that shows by what John says that if you are doing that, if you're continuing to practice sin, we might not really be living in Christ the way we think we do. Now, living in Christ, like I said, you will sin occasionally. That's, that's life. And you would still need to repent just as much as anybody else. But those who live in Christ do not go on sinning on purpose. And like, trust me, I'm speaking from experience. I've been there. Like, I'll, I'll take you back to my early days as a Christian. Like, as a kid growing up, my mom would, like, support this to a T. I was a habitual liar. Like, it did not matter. Big things, small things, to get out of trouble, to look cool. I lied about everything. I told a, and I think I was in like third grade, I told a girl on the playground that this like winter coat, that it was like this black fuzzy winter coat. I was like, this is real panther fur. And I'm wearing it on the playground in Wellsville, Kansas. And just all these things. I would just make things up. And it just eventually, because I was practicing it, practice makes perfect, I, was, I got good at it. I got really good at lying. It would just come out. I didn't even think about it. I lied about everything all the time. I got really good at it. Um, and so this was quite obviously a problem when I got saved and became a Christian and thou shalt not bear false witness. Um, and so I was saved and I loved Jesus and I, and I wanted to do what he wanted me to do. But like lies just came out of my mouth like that. I did, like I didn't even have to think about it. Or like just nasty things. I would just come out of my mouth and I didn't even have to think about it. And so up until then, that's when I would call it struggling with sin. Like I, 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 I was sinning, I didn't really want to, I was kinda, oof. Um, but then once I became aware of it, I realized, oh, I'm sinning, I'm sinning a lot, I'm lying a lot, I need to stop. But then I kinda continued to do it because I didn't really wanna put in the work to stop and I didn't really wanna do all of that. That's when it became a practice and I just kept doing it. And I would feel bad about it, I'd be like, oh, I lied. Like, 10 minutes ago in that conversation. That's bad, sorry God. But then I continued to do it again and didn't put any effort into trying to stop until 
there did came, come a point where I talked to Sean's mom, Becca, and I said, um, I'm just really struggling with lying. I don't, I don't know how to stop. It's like really hard because I'm hardly even thinking about it. And this woman is so wise and she will tell me things so strong. She just said, if you catch yourself lying, first of all, get, be aware of it. Try to be aware of when you're doing this. And then the moment that you realize that you just did lie or you lied earlier in the conversation, stop, apologize, confess to sinning, and tell the truth. I was like, Becca, I'm a Christian. I need everyone to know that I'm a Christian. If I stop in a conversation and be like, yeah, I just lied to you, like, that's the right thing to do, but then it makes me look like a bad Christian. I was like, that's so humbling. But that's what broke it. That's what broke the cycle of, of me just habitually lying and just spitting out a lie, whether it mattered or not, was that I practiced honesty. And that is where John goes next in um, this letter in 1 John, is he says, practice righteousness. Everyone who practices righteousness abides in him. So like we said before, we are not capable of being right with God, of doing the right thing. We're not capable of doing that on our own. That's like the whole point of the gospel. Um, so we know true love and goodness only because Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. It talks about that, yes, in verse 13, it starts, I lost my spot. That's okay. So it talks about how Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, and that is how we know love. So we're going to start in actually verse 18, um, and it says, right before that, I didn't put this in the notes, but we'll put up verse 18 through 22. Um, I'm going to start a little bit ahead of that. By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we should lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods, sees his brothers in need, and closes his heart to him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. And this is the amplified version up here that says, so believers are the little children. Don't just love like, oh, I, I love my neighbor. Like, I, I, I know I love my neighbor. Or I talk about, oh, I love all the people of the world. It doesn't matter what their sin is. I love everybody. Um, but love for real in your actions and in truth, in practice, being sincere, because we know practical acts are worth more than love, like, it's, like are worth more than words. Um, I, I, maybe this is more true depending on you know, the love languages, but we know anyone can talk up a storm. Anyone can say, I love you, I love everybody, but if they're not following it up, then it doesn't really mean much. So by this, this is how you will know without a doubt that you are loving in truth, that you are living in the truth, and that you will assure your heart. Okay, let me try that again. So this is how you're gonna know. And he says it in two ways. Um, the first being that when, you're, when you feel condemned, like when you feel like I am guilty, I am bad, I'm not doing great, and you feel ashamed, you should be able to remember that God is greater and knows more than you, but he died for you anyway, that you have righteousness in him. That's how you'll know that you're, that's one way you can know that you are living in the truth, is that when that happens, when you feel condemned, you can remember that you have righteousness in God. Or you will know because you don't feel condemned, but you're confident before God because you know that you are following his will and his ways. 
And so what are his will and his ways? It says right after that, um, as we read, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, in verse 21, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. And this is his commandment. This is what he wants us to do. This is, this is it. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Name meaning like the identity, the person, the, um, like the reputation of Jesus Christ. And love one another like he commanded us to do. This is what happens when we stop practicing sin. We stop sinning over and over again. Whether, whether it's a habit or whether we're practicing. We stop doing that. And I know... That work that guy was kind of Sean's focus the last few days is don't focus on something to not do. But sometimes you have to do that a little bit. <laughs> sometimes you do have to focus on not doing something. And then on top of that, practice righteousness. Like Sean said, find something to be, someone to be. Um, and I think especially in this area, John mentioned stop practicing sin and to start practicing righteousness together because they, they need each other. You can't do one without the other. If you try to stop practicing sin, but don't practice righteousness. You're just going to be someone that's struggling to not sin all the time. Um, if you just try to practice righteousness, but you don't stop practicing sin, well, then you're just going to be someone that looks really, really good on the outside, but inside you're rotting. Like Jesus calls it a whitewashed tomb. Like it's white and pretty and painted and beautiful on the outside, but inside is a literal rotting corpse. That's what it's like if we practice sin, but we don't try to stop practicing, if we practice righteousness, but we don't stop practicing sin. Um, so we follow Christ's example by refusing to practice sin, by practicing his righteousness, and in doing so, we will love those around us better, like Sean talked about in the last um, sermon. When we keep his commandments, we live in God, that's that word abide, and God lives in us. He lives in us through the Holy Spirit. So you are what you practice. Um, if you are practicing sin, then that's gonna show on the outside and we won't have God living in us. It says that anyone who practices sin does not have Jesus living in them and Jesus, and they're not living in Jesus. But if you practice righteousness, then that's gonna show. It's gonna show that you are in Christ and Christ is in you and then he can work in you through that gift of the Holy Spirit. This is how we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. So I want to um, hear kind of as the band comes up, I might still be up here a little while, you guys know, um, just uh, have, just like let the Holy Spirit move in us. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of what like Kelsey's, Kelsey's vision and like the truth of that is that if Jesus had not come to set us free, it would be stupid for me to come up here and talk about being free from sin and to stop sinning because it wouldn't really be possible. We would still be having to give sacrifices to atone for our sin, to make up for it, to pay off that debt. Um, that's the kind of the language God uses in the Bible around sin is a debt, is that in the, in, the, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, people had to sacrifice their animals, their food to God to say, I'm sorry, I broke the law. And that's kind of like your, like your speeding ticket almost or your parking ticket of, I know I did this wrong, I'm making up for it with this. Um, but despite everything that happened, that was never enough. And so God made the plan to send the, the part of himself, of the, of the Trinity, the three-in-one God, of the Son, um, his only 
like true birthed son, he sent him down to earth. So this is the, the God, the creator of the universe, came down and became like a fragile human, just as broken and as vulnerable as we are. Not only did he come, he came, it's Christmas, he came as an infant. And before he was even an infant, he was a fetus, he was an embryo. Like how humble, how vulnerable, like no one is more like vulnerable and, and, and unprotected and in, in this sensitive state than someone who hasn't even been born yet. But Jesus came in that state because then he experienced everything that we've ever experienced. And he was tempted by every temptation that we ever experienced. So he knows, he knows what it's like. We don't serve a God that can't relate to us. He can relate. Um, so as we all stand up, I want you to, whether you're a believer who you know you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you you're trying to follow Jesus, or if, if you're even just curious, I want you to know that this is possible. It is possible to take that thing that you've been struggling with, that you hate about yourself, that you want to change. It is possible through Jesus to change to live rightly and to be in communion, in relationship with God. And not only that, but to live in Him and have the creator of the universe live in you. So I'm gonna uh, pray over all of us and I'd like you to, however you feel like you need to physically like orient yourself right now to, to be focused on God and receive from God, I want you to do that and just listen as I pray and receive it and have this conversation with God yourself as well. And I just speak, Holy Spirit, move in every single person. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to convict any of us, conviction, conviction that is good and forward-looking. Um, I, I ask you to convict us of any sin that we have been practicing on purpose, any sin that has become a habit that we need to take accountability for and take action to stop. Holy Spirit, convict us to practice righteousness more diligently, to yes, stop sinning, but also to be righteous in you and to practice what is good and do what you have called us to do. I bind up, tie up, kick out, evict, any condemnation that would say that you are unloved or that you cannot change or that you cannot be saved or that your sin is a part of who you are, that you are beyond repair, that is not allowed. And I evict it in the name of Jesus. The enemy has no voice in your life. He is only, he is the father of lies. He will take a piece of truth and twist it um, to bring you down to the fate that he already has for himself. And we do not allow that in Jesus' name. I welcome in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, yes, you have sinned. That's true. But I have paid off the debt that you owed. And that is more true. You are free now. Walk in your freedom. Your prison door is wide open. You are free. Stop putting chains back on yourself and look at the glorious freedom that I have released you into. Father God, I thank you for your word, for the beautiful Bible that you have given to us, that you've preserved through generations and generations, that you've given us scholars to translate and to keep to this day for us to have your word. I thank you that it has um, taught us and encouraged us 
Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus to free us from the bondage of our sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit to work in us and show us how to do that, how to be free, how to practice righteousness. I thank you for conviction that is moving us towards being more like you and to bringing your goodness back to the world the way you made it to be. I pray that every heart would just be drawn closer to you, that um, those who have completely walled off any idea of your reality or of living with you, that they would um, just be a step closer to understanding the truest reality, that those who are curious would be driven, that those who are driven would believe, and those that who believe will be made stronger in the faith in Jesus' name, because we know that you are the truest reality. You are all, everything exists because of you and for your glory and through you. And we thank you for that. Awaken us to this reality, the reality of freedom and love, of power and strength and a sound mind. And I speak this over all of us right now in Jesus' name. Guys, let's, let's worship because he is worthy and deserving of all praise. And so that's what we're going to give him.
ahead to read this passage to you guys found in Isaiah 9. It's just a couple verses. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the darkness. If you skip just a couple verses down, it says this famous verse. It says, For to us a child has been born, a son has been given to us. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Listen, we've been talking about identity a lot in this message series. And if you need an identity, if you need something to be defined by, look no further than Jesus, our wonderful counselor, our eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And he will guide you just like what we were singing about in this song and in Jaira earlier, that he is our provider, that we don't need to be a slave anymore to fear or to sin, but the prison door is open. We are free and we can be defined not by what our fallbacks don't define us, our setbacks don't define us, our sins no longer define us, but it's Jesus and it's our provider, it's our Father. So I just wanna pray that over us. Father God, I just thank you for this message that we've heard. I thank you that we have been set free, that the prison door is open. And God, I just pray for boldness over us that we will begin to walk in our freedom and walk in our love and walk in righteousness, that we begin to practice righteousness and stop practicing sin, but we will begin to practice righteousness. And we know that it is guaranteed that that path is the path that you have for us. So Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus, amen. Let's give a clap for that word that we just heard you guys. It's awesome. Listen, so good to see all of you guys here. Tomorrow night, we have our Elevate Tribes are happening. I want you guys to be there. It's important as Christians to pursue community, to be people of community. And especially after these past couple years with COVID and all that, it's important to get with friends and with family and have community together. So thank you guys so much for coming. I'll see you guys tomorrow night. You guys are dismissed. See you next week.